Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory. Fabulous arrangement of pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, it's 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. All right. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Not just Chris Beard sitting on the floor, actual play. Just 4 of 16 from the field. A rare off-night shooting for Julius Randle. Tyler Hero in rhythm. His shot, that's good. Hero hit a big three-pointer on Sunday afternoon. Now he comes on the curl, folks. He knew right away, man, I'm letting this fly. Good momentum and the swish. It was interesting because I thought Tyler Hero would be one of those situational guys in the NBA. He's turned out to be more of a primetime guy than I ever thought he'd be. I give him credit. I give him a lot of credit for that. All right, let's bring in Neil Kulong, best of the best, to join us. Hello, sir. Great to have you with us. It's great to be here as always, and I'm absolutely 100% behind Metallica playing at the halftime of every Super Bowl, all Super Bowls. There you go. Another endorsement. Uh, Alan Fanica was the impassioned plea last week on the show. He made it to the Hall of Fame. Your reaction? Um, good, good. Uh, it, it, it's about time. I mean, it, if there was a player there, and it, it, I'm biased, I admit this, but there was a player there who belonged in on this ballot who was not a first ballot guy. It was it was Fanica. Um, it was his time. It was great to see. It was great to see the team get behind him. Um, and he seemed genuinely happy. I don't think he's the type of guy that uh, really gets into that. But at the same time, um, any player at that level wants to be in the Hall of Fame. I, I think his patience was probably wearing a little bit thin, um, certainly with the predicament that they put him in last year. So uh, it, good for him. He absolutely deserved it. One of the best offensive linemen I ever saw. I know that. Um, he, he belongs there. It's good to see uh, Good to see a good group of them out in Canton next year or in, in, in August. Hopefully they have that. Um, you know, two day long celebration. It sounds like it. that'll that'll be yeah. uh, that'll be a fun time for Steelers fans for sure. And the other part too is Bill Nunn, and everybody said Bill Nunn was an easy vote. I he, he was, and to to piggyback off what I just said, if anybody um, who was around now yeah. disagreed with Bill Nunn being in the Hall of Fame now or thirty years ago, uh, I I don't know I don't know what your problem is. Um, it, I don't think there were more than maybe two or three scouts in the history of, of professional football who did more uh, for the game than Bill Nunn did. Not yeah. just in the results of what he did, but the era that he ushered forward. I mean, really, it, it's it's kind of a, a, a quiet tale I don't think the Steelers really want to talk about, but the, the idea of subterfuge in 
um, scouting, the way that he basically hid tapes from other teams on players that he knew. <laughs> he was he was the hub of communication for a hotbed of football talent, and other teams did not employ uh, people like that as, as a tactic, as a strategy. Uh, none was able to do that and then reap massive benefits because of his connections. Anybody working in the media should be looking at Bill Nunn as a hero, yeah. uh, considering the impact that he was able to make by being a reporter. And then on top of that, yeah. he had an extraordinary eye for talent. He knew what he was looking at, and the Steelers wisely brought him in and listened to him. And they, they created uh, a, a, a enormous amount of talent um, at their disposal yeah. for a, a long period of time. It was something that hadn't been done in the NFL up to that point. Yeah, he and Lloyd Wells at Kansas City were really two of the guys that were pioneers in saying, hey, look, there is a load of talent. We just need to go mine it. Uh, and they did. Uh, so now let's get to that. As it's been referred to, it's time now for the fun season, player movement time. Uh, the free agency market, I think, then in part sets up how you want to draft. So in the free agent market, what should the Steelers be looking for? Um, salary cap room, if they can get it. I'm not <laughs> yeah, sure how they much they're able to do. They don't have a lot. It, it, they're, they, they're in a tough spot, and I, I think it's only fair to preface this from the beginning. that This is not a, a, a normal situation. If the salary cap had gone the way that it was supposed to. In other words, if there was no pandemic, right. that obviously has far worse ramifications on things than the NFL. But right. if that was not a factor, you're legitimately looking at a salary cap um, after the broadcast deal that they would have signed, uh, probably 207, 208 million, somewhere in there. That's right. With that, they have plenty of space to do the things that they need to do. Exactly. Um, not that they wouldn't. Uh, make a move with uh, Ben Roethlisberger's contract, not that they wouldn't do anything with that anyway, but all of this, all of where they are cap-wise was set up on the idea that the cap was going to go up a considerable amount, and in reality, the the doomsday scenario is it going flat or even dropping, which is what it sounds like it's going to. I don't want to say that they're not prepared for this. They are, but it is going to really create an odd two-year plan for the Steelers. And I think along with their their front office, a couple of the moves that they made leading into this, and their coaching staff now, I, I think the team is really preparing uh, to, to kind of be overhauled. I, I think they're going to be evaluating players in a different way than they have been. They're going to find a different way to play the game other than what they've been doing the last couple of years. And a large part of that is because they're going to have a really tough time getting guys signed for this season with what they have in front of them. And they only have like 15 players signed for 2022. Uh, In that, you're looking at a complete strategic overhaul of everything they're doing. And it's hard to say, the fans like to do this, I know, but it's really hard to say that they weren't aware of that. You know, I, I think they have a specific plan in mind. And this draft class, along with the, the whatever they can do in free agency, is going to be a huge part of that. I think we're going to see very different players targeted, um, and that starts with free agency. Like you mentioned, that, that largely sets up what they want to do with their draft. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be able to find a way to get down underneath the salary cap. Uh, the moves that they can make up to and including Roethlisberger's uh, restructured deal, which I'm sure we're going to hear about 
uh, in the near future. That's going to get them some cap space. There are going to be some moves that they'll make uh, procedurally, like they do every year, uh, contract restructures and the like. They'll be able to be in the market for a free agent or two, and I think they're going to have to bring some in. Um, that's going to depend on pricing, which I think is almost to their advantage this year, just with the, the lower salary cap. Uh, that's going to drive the value of free agents down, the, the types of free agents that they would be signing. Um, a, TJ, uh, 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 a Derek Watt costs uh, $3 million a season last year. He would cost like $1 million this year. Right. Guys like that, they're going to be able to afford and bring in. They're going to look for those types of guys to be sort of bridges to a, a very diverse uh, draft class, I, I would expect them having um, with as many picks as they can get between now and then. So it, it's definitely going to be a very different look for them, but uh, very familiar in the sense that they're not going to go after big name free agents. There's no way they can do that this season. If anything, they would retain their own guys. A guy like Mike Hilton, um, I would expect them to look into Cam Sutton to see if they can't keep him. Uh, they've got a lot of things going on. The Steelers are going to be one of the more active teams uh, yeah. this offseason, yeah. uh, one of the more newsworthy teams, I, I should say. And in that, it, it starts with free agency, and that's all going to start with how they're going to rearrange the contracts that they have right now. Uh, what about Bud Dupree? Uh, he's, um, he's, in, he's in a very interesting spot. Uh, so what about Bud Dupree? I think with Dupree, you're looking at a, 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 almost an unprecedented situation. Um, everybody is in a very unique year, and this was really not the year to, to hit free agency. Um, it, the money is going to be there for some of the market. Right. And that'll be the case for the top end guys, which Dupree is normally. But the thing with him is the injury. He didn't tear his ACL in September. It was late November or exactly. December. Exactly. And that, I, I know for a fact the Steelers view an ACL tear as a 12-month-long injury. Right. doesn't matter how ahead of progress this guy says that he is and all that stuff. They don't expect a guy to be at 100% for at least a year after surgery. Right. With that said, uh, Dupree's next season to the Steelers, in their eye, is, is gone. There's not really much they, they're going to expect from a guy like that. Right. Um, that's going to be a big part of the reason why he's not going to resign in Pittsburgh. Now, who is going to give him what? I think that's the question. Um, we're, if you look at an example, um, I guess really this is um, probably more Jadavian Clowney than anybody else, but a guy who's willing to bet on himself at, at big dollar amounts for one year uh, can get that money, and I think that's probably going to yeah. be Dupree's best option. Right. He's going to have to maximize what he can get for next season while he's going to be rehabbing for a lot of it. I mean, again, yeah. um, I'm, I'm sure he's ahead of schedule. I'm sure he can get out onto the field. The question is, how explosive is he going to be able to do? Yeah. You know, it, 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 an ACL tear, it's not that it's not a pretty big injury, but to a normal person, it's knee surgery. You're able to, to be up and around moving, doing the things that you do uh, pretty normally, maybe a, a, a two months months or so after surgery. For an NFL player, he's going to be able to run. He's going to be able to jump. There's nothing that's going to stop him from doing that. It's being the explosive athlete that he needs to be, Bud Dupree in particular, the position that he played. I I don't know how solid he's going to be in that right away. So a team that has the money, that wants to take a chance on it, I could see them going to to, $12, $14 somewhere in there. 
But if he's going to get a multi-year deal, uh, there's going to be a way out after that year one. And I'm not sure that's the type of contract that he would want to sign. So some people would say, well, then if his price goes down, does he want to come back to Pittsburgh? I'm sure that he would. I, I don't think that either side is interested in a one-year deal to come back to Pittsburgh again and do this for a, a, another year. Uh, they're going to let him loose. They, they're going to need the draft pick that they'll get back in compensation for him in 2022. Uh, I, I don't think it makes sense in Pittsburgh unless he's down to $3 million a year, which there's no way that's going to happen. So there are teams with cap space available that would love to add a, a premier edge talent like, like Dupree is. Um, it, it's just not going to be Pittsburgh, um, right. which is unfortunate. He, he's a great player. He looked really good. It was it was heartbreaking to to have him hurt when he was hurt, as well as you know the fact that the Steelers lost him right. down the stretch and they absolutely needed him. But um, it, it's they, that that's the business. I think the Steelers had that kind of in mind anyway. I think Watt is the guy that they're going to focus on, and uh, Dupree. Hope he does well somewhere outside the division. All right, so, yeah, exactly. That's the part you don't you don't want to face them uh, twice a year. All right, big picture because you brought up the TV deal. Uh, they have the labor deal set. They still have, I believe, nine years to go in the labor deal. So the next one is the TV deal. Uh, the Super Bowl has declined in total viewership in six years by eighteen million fans. Okay. That's a big number. Remember, Seattle, New England drew 114.4 million. The Super Bowl drew 96.4 million. Now, 96.4 million is a phenomenal number, but that's still down 18 million in six years. And that, and my 96.4 includes all the people who are streaming. I mean, that includes the streaming numbers. How much concern, if any, would there be with the NFL and dealing with networks, knowing you've had that kind of decline in just six years? I, I would say this. Normally, the NFL is going to point to what they refer to as kind of shaky streaming numbers. How do we, you know, these aren't all tracked the same way and they're kind of lumping everything together. That's the song and dance that they're going to give. But right. I, it, considering that's been the same answer year after year and the numbers keep going down. Um, something is obviously missing. Yeah, so and by the way, the that, stream the streaming was up sixty five percent over last year. Yeah, that that doesn't surprise me. More people are going to do that, but they mm-hmm. have a smaller market to work with. And I would, from a sales perspective, if you're talking to CBS, you're going to say, "Look, this was a weird year. Okay, everything about this was weird." Um, Get us a regular year. Get us going in the right direction again. We have younger players who are coming in. It wasn't the most competitive Super Bowl we've ever seen. That that wasn't exactly expected. But right. the league is as balanced as we've seen it. There are a lot of good teams that are coming uh, from everywhere that are on the, the, the uh, drive upward. We're seeing massive quarterback movement right now. So who knows yeah. what's going to happen. There's a viable product here. And I understand that the Super Bowl numbers may be in, in and of themselves declining, but we didn't see that decline in the regular season. You know, for, for right. a year like this, yep. it didn't have a buildup. It didn't have a preseason. Um, there, there was massive economic um, problems going on in the country during the season, and it, that will continue as well. Right. If we're looking down the line 10 years to this, there isn't much to say that this is going to continue. But 
here's the argument that I would rather be on the side of is CBS and say very simply, you've got Tom Brady and you've got Patrick Mahomes and your audience dropped considerably. Uh, I don't know what you're saying with all of this, but I, I need some time to kind of, you know, get my head around how that happened. How are you losing audience with the marquee names of the game going against each other. Right. Don't say it was because of a blowout either. Everybody watches the Super Bowl, okay? If, if, whether mm-hmm. they turn it on or off, it may or may not have anything to do with the game at all. You know, I, I don't know, but people are, should be tuning into the Super Bowl, and certainly plenty of them did. So no you're losing a lot of audience. Where is that coming from? Where, where is the leak and, and what is being done to uh, address that? And I think the NFL at this point can't give an answer that it's not at least to some degree, lip service. I'm not sure what the answer is, but it, it, it continues to go down. And in the end, honestly, I think it's because people watch less TV. I, I don't think they're really Could into be. it. Could and be. all of this kind of suggests the interest it went away simply because this was a weird year. The excitement wasn't there at the beginning. Fans weren't in the stadium. It was just a very different experience. And I think it sobered people up. I think there was always a, a market of people that were kind of on the fence. They found their own reason to not continue with the, the nation's obsession. And what we're, we're not seeing a bubble burst, but I right. think we are seeing a, a regression to the mean here. I, I think it, it exploded in popularity during the, the Brady Manning era. I think it was such a, a huge component of American life. It had nowhere to go but down. And I think that's just kind of what it is. No. The TV deal will still be considerable. No there will doubt. still be an increase in the salary no cap. Question. They will still continue moving forward. But it's not... It just simply is not going to be at the level it was in uh, 2008, 2009, uh, 2010. These are going to be seen as the real golden years of the NFL in terms of fan interest and fan investment. Um, I I think it's just going to drop with the next generation, and we're starting to see that now. It's the first NFL game, though, ever, on the positive side, to have more than 1 billion streaming minutes. Uh, So, I I mean, that's significant. But again... When you add in the highest streaming viewership ever, and you're still 18 million down, now you're number 96.4. Nobody can even get close to that neighborhood. But Neil, you can't sit down in Park Avenue and go, um, "How come we have 18 million fewer people watching?" It's got to. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's you, not a, You have to ask that. Why? It's not a number to sneeze at. It's 18 million. I don't care about the 96. 18 million is a lot of people. If 96 is a huge number, 18 is a huge number. You know, comparatively speaking, uh, you're you're hemorrhaging. That's a that's a significant loss. So, and I'm not sure what they can do to draw fans back in because I I think there's just an inherent uh, resistance to this product now, and we've seen the buildup of this over the last 10 years. I I don't think we can say you know intelligently that this is something new it's something random i can't blame the pandemic for it fully not when your draft numbers were through the roof nobody had a thing to do in april you know they're plenty bored to sit and watch the draft and yeah massive massive, massive numbers. numbers yes um they didn't want to watch the super bowl they got bored of this for some reason i think yeah you can make the argument there's no crowd you can make the argument that yes. The, the the enjoyment factor is just kind of somber. You can make the the the, uh, the argument that it's an election year and that just kind of turns people off. It, it happened in 2016 as well. Yep. Um, I I'm not sure. There are a lot of different factors, but those things are either going to be relevant immediately or this is a complete and total fluke. Right. 
I, I really can't see that it's a fluke. I think it's yeah. a lot of things, and there's only part of it that they can do something about. Well, you're not a fluke. So I appreciate you very <laughs> much, you. my friend. Thank you so much. Definitely. Thanks for having me. And the big drop-off, it continues to be in that 18- to 34-year-old group. That's why you wonder why the NFL with CBS did the playoff broadcast on Nickelodeon. They're trying to get younger people engaged in the game. And they thought they'd made some inroads in Philadelphia, and then, the, then I mean, now you see Matt's upset. <laughs> NFL's still going to be king regardless. Bad football in Philadelphia is ruining America. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Refreshing to hear instead of Dallas. Ugh. Wow. A lot of internal bitterness. Back with more in a moment. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Best new inventory anywhere. Great lineup of pre-owned inventory. All at the Sunbury Motors guarantee. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Did you see the exciting news from NBC? I didn't. NBC Sports is going to air the opening ceremony of the Summer Olympics on July 23rd live on all of its platforms. Beginning at 6... In in all time zones. So beginning at 6.55 in the morning, Eastern Time, July 23rd, 3.55 on the West Coast. It's going to last four hours. Well, that's really cool. No, I loved it because as soon as I saw that, I got myself a 7.15 tea time. And uh, so, yeah, uh, terrific. Couldn't wait. I said, that's perfect. I'll get myself a 7.15 tea time in advance. They were more than happy to accommodate. Five-hour round. I should miss the whole thing. Come on now. (laughs) What the heck do I want to watch that for? The opening Olympics are amazing. See, all the countries come in, all the the acts of the the culture of whatever country you're in. They walk around in a circle on the track. Yeah, but it's more than that. It just it's a big part of it because there's a lot of competitors to take the the track. Yeah. <laughs> you should at least so watch be, a little uh, bit of that, see the United States get go on, and then you go golf. No, I'm going to play golf, have a good time. I, I'm, going, I'm going to live a life. I mean, I'm not going to sit in front of a TV set and watch somebody walk around in a circle. What do I want to do that for? And hopefully, if I got to check the schedule, I hope I got a game that night. 
because there's a replay at 7:30. This could this could turn out to be the perfect day. You in the suit and the Olympics. What the heck? I mean, I like the competition. That's fine. But it's the opening ceremony. Okay. The only part of the opening ceremony I ever saw that I thought was, wow, that was great, was when Daniel Craig jumped out of the plane with Queen Elizabeth. Now, that was cool. I know they were both actors, but that was neat. And I thought, okay, James Bond and the Queen parachuting into the stadium. Killing me. Other than that, the athletes walked around in a circle. Including one athlete from Mali. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. Four from Luxembourg. Way to go. They represent. You in the suit with the Olympics. Ace. <laughs> Here's my favorite story of the Olympics. The silver medal, Doug Collins, and the basketball team went still sitting in the vault in Switzerland. They refuse and even have in their um, wills that nobody is to collect them. Well, that was an embarrassing finish for us. So, yeah, I can't blame for that. Just like the bronze in 04, that should be the same thing. What are you talking about? The the reason they're not is because they won the game. They replayed it three times. At the end, till the Soviet Union finally won it, they got cheated. Nothing to do with the the bronze medal. We earned that one. Okay? Not this one. Yeah, that's true. Not these guys. Not these guys. They, They weren't pros. And they had, I mean, you want to talk about have it stolen? Yeah. I that's forgot that's about why that they, one. they refuse. Alexander Belov scored the game-winning bucket. They refuse to go get them. Well, they're rightfully so that, for that one. That, to me, is the Olympics. All right, so <laughs> walk around in a circle. Maybe it hurts because I know Doug. All right. Did you know that Jack Ham is the godfather to, one of, to Doug's daughter? Really? That you I know? did not know. Yes. Cool. Got to know each other early on in life. They both had the same agent. Became good friends. So, it's always the first question I get. Steve, how's how's Jack doing? Love it. So, second question is, you know who isn't around, is he? I said, no, he's in the corner <laughs> office. All right. The topic always comes up. I'm going to tell you right now, Sue must have a really good legal team because it's not, it looks to me like he's, he's dragging to court a lot here. Apparently. <laughs> all right. So, All right, so now let's get to Len Shapiro, Washington Post, uh, the passing of Marty Schottenheimer. Len, welcome. Great to have you with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know, he only had the one season in Washington, uh, and in the one season in Washington, I think they, if I recall, Len, started out 0-5, and then they won 8 of their last 11, and Daniel Snyder said, thanks, we're moving on. Is that is, is yeah. that about how it worked yeah. out? Well, yeah, and he won, He lost his first five, and then he won five in a row, which nobody had ever done before after losing their first five. Then he lost the last couple and just barely missed the playoffs, uh, and then he was fired by Daniel Snyder, which was uh, still in the history of Snyder's ownership. 
considered the, the biggest mistake of, of, of a multiple number of mistakes that Snyder has made over the years. And I believe the choice was Steve Spurrier. Does that sound right? Yeah, the, the choice was Steve Spurrier, the old ball coach, and uh, who liked to play golf a lot. In fact, he probably played more golf uh, in his uh, in one season than Donald Trump played in four years in, <laughs> in the But uh, Spurrier... You know, he was a college coach. He was used to a certain pace and a certain routine. And, and professional football just wasn't for him. And it, you know, then he left here, and then he went to the University of South Carolina and made them into a winner, which is saying a lot. Right. Uh, but, but Schottenheimer was uh, terrific. Uh, the, the real problem was that uh, everybody said at the time, well, it's because Snyder wanted to have more power. Uh, he had signed Schottenheimer to be his uh, – uh, director of football operations and Snyder wanted some of that power back. But the real reason was that, that uh, Snyder wanted Schottenheimer to hang around with him, to hang out with him, to go to go to lunch at the power places in D.C., to go to parties with him and his wife. Uh, and Schottenheimer, who was a straight shooter and all football all the time, wanted no part of that. And, and Snyder told people later he wasn't my kind of guy. He should have been his kind of guy and might have won. Exactly. Uh, is it fair for me to say that uh, the four jobs that Marty Schottenheimer took in the NFL, that he actually left the team better than when he started? Oh, absolutely. I went to Cleveland, came very close to a couple of Super Bowls there, uh, went to Kansas City, uh, turned that franchise into a perennial you know, uh, contender, came to Washington, almost got a bad team into the playoffs, and then, of course, Wound up in San Diego, where his last, his first year, I think he was four and twelve. His last year, he was fourteen and twelve, uh, fourteen and two, uh, and got fired anyway uh, because he was having a hard time getting along with Dean Spanos and the uh, the new general manager there. So when you go four places and you leave the spot better than when you first took over, what was it about personality wise, personnel wise, style wise that allowed him to do that? Well, I, I think, number one, he was uh, uh, a total disciplined coach. I mean, really disciplined. Uh, you know, his practices were tough. Uh, you know, he, he got them to practice hard every day, and he got them uh, into, you know, you, you get into a certain philosophy, you get into a certain rhythm, and his players all bought into it. Uh, they knew he was tough. Montana said it was like playing for General Patton uh, when he was in Kansas City, but they won. And when you win, that sort of solves all problems. Uh, he was he was a good personnel guy. He knew what he wanted. He knew the kind of players he wanted, uh, and and uh, he instilled a, a certain atmosphere uh, around there that, uh, including in Washington, for that year, that uh, that made them much better than they they uh, they had them. How was he with the media, Lynn, when you had to deal with him? Yeah. 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 He was. He was. He was good. Uh, yeah. Okay. He was very good. Uh, I mean, he was good enough. He, he wasn't. You know, you, you weren't going to get lively quotes the way Spurrier was. You know, Spurrier <laughs> would say anything that was on the top of his head, including when he shot at the golf course the day before. But Marty was all football, no nonsense. Didn't want to take any guff from anybody. But uh, he was very respectful. He knew the he knew the role of the media. At least he certainly did by the time he got to Washington. Yeah, and uh, he was he was terrific. I, I have you know. And when I was a younger reporter, 
uh, and went out to Kansas City uh, to do pieces on, you know, when Montana got there and, and uh, when, he, when he had turned that team around. It was great to me. Let me watch practice. Uh, let me, you know, pretty much have the run of the place. So I, 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 I always thought he was good, uh, knew what we were supposed to be doing, and uh, bought into it and, and knew we, we had a role to play. Now, in the end, you talked about, obviously, Joe Montana said it was like being around Pat and the, with the practices and so forth. But in reality, what, what kind of respect did he command from the players? Uh, total, command, total respect. Uh, his players loved him. And, and uh, look, he had been a player himself. He played six years in the league. Right. Uh, he was an All-American linebacker at Pitt. Uh, he came from Western Pennsylvania, as you know. That area produces uh, toughest nails football players. Yep. Not to mention a couple of pretty good quarterbacks. You know, Joe Montana, Jim Kelly, and others. Uh, name it. But uh, yeah, the players liked him, and I'll tell you what, the fans liked him a lot too. Uh, I've had a lot of reaction to the story that was in the Post today, uh, in the Washington Post, uh, serving appreciation of, of what he did. Uh, and uh, all, the reaction was, you know, rest in peace, Marty, great coach, loved you, Marty, terrific, great job, including from Kansas City people and Cleveland people. Well, he won 200 regular season games. He's one of only yes. seven to do it. Len, you and I know being around it, how hard it is to win. That, that to me, is phenomenal because he had 11 double-digit win seasons in, during the course of his career yeah. in a profession that's hard to win. Not only that, he only had two lose, two losing seasons right. uh, in 21 years, uh, and he had 205 wins, five of them in the playoffs. Of course, his playoff record was five and 14, but who's counting? Um, that was <laughs> yeah, the big right. problem. You know, I, I I was a longtime voter on the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and uh, you know Marty ought to be in there because the six guys who were ahead of him on, ahead of him on the list are all in the hall, and Marty ought to be there. And I suspect. Uh, it, within the next two or three years, uh, the senior committee will do the right thing and, and finally get him in. Right. And if Tom Flores is a Hall of Fame coach, uh, boy, if Marty Schottenheimer's not, there's something wrong with the system. Yeah, Tom's time at Seattle was not exactly great. And that's a quarter of his coaching career, by the way. Um, Flores, yeah. Yeah, Tom yeah. Flores. I don't know if you ever got into it with with Marty Schottenheimer or heard any stories, but what what steered him to coaching? What what you know? I know he played, but you know somebody yeah. had, you had to make that move. Well, here here you go. And when he came out, he was in the real estate business. What does that tell you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that that has its ups and downs too. Obviously, as does you know. Obviously, coaching. I mean, the guy had four different jobs in twenty years. Uh, actually five because he started out as an assistant but uh, he was a football guy you know he loved football and uh, became pretty good at it played uh, you know he was a he was a he started for a few years a pretty good player and uh, you know like like so many other guys who have played and uh, for many years that's what they, and that's what that's where he should have been I mean he was he was a coach right from the get-go uh, he also coached after he left uh, San Diego uh, in the world. Was it the World Football League? United League. Yeah, football? the United League with Virginia. Yeah, the UFL. Yeah, yeah, he had the Virginia team. He liked Virginia. And uh, even though Virginia, where the Redskins practiced, or the, wait a minute, it's not the Redskins, no. the Washington football team, WFT. Right. Yeah. Uh, he liked Virginia. And uh, he, wound, he actually wound up, after football, wound up uh, in Naples, Florida, where he was in the same uh, gated community that I think. 
uh, Sonny Jurgensen was in, yeah. and they were friends. And then he wound up in Charlotte and sadly uh, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2014. Yeah. And uh, it just went down from there. Yeah, that's all. That that, that part's awful. Um, I know it, you mentioned the UFL. That was 2011. But uh, 2007, he's done at San Diego. Were you ever surprised over, like, from, like, 7 to maybe even 12 in that range that nobody said, hey, I'd like to hire Marty Schottenheimer? Were you surprised by that? Yeah, I was. I mean, the guy was a great coach. How could I was surprised the Chargers. I mean, how do you fire a guy who just went 14-2, and two, got upset in the playoffs? Of course, he always got upset in the playoffs. Right. But uh, the, the one thing people don't remember is he came very, very close to making the Super Bowl uh, when he was in Cleveland. Oh, my goodness. Uh, two, of the, two, of, two of the greatest yep. uh, finishes in, in, in pro football history. One was the fumble and, and called the fumble. Uh, by Ernest Viner, uh, who was going into score, had yes. the ball stripped of him, uh, going into score that would have been a tying touchdown to get it into overtime. They lost that game, uh, and then John John Elway produced in the last couple of minutes uh, a 98 yard drive <laughs> yeah. uh, for a touchdown that uh, that knocked Kansas City off. So uh, he, he was very close. He had a couple other very close playoff losses uh, by three points or less. Uh, I mean, it wasn't like the guy couldn't coach, and, and it wasn't like the guy choked in the playoffs. You know, Shula had the same reputation sure. uh, before, before the Dolphins won it uh, in 72 yes. against uh, the Washington football team. Uh, he couldn't win the, the big one uh, in Baltimore. And uh, it, 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 and sadly, Marty was 5-14 and 14 in the playoffs and never got to the Super Bowl. But... Uh, you know, it would, it would. In my mind, if he'd stayed, it would have been a matter of time. And by the way, that was John Madden's reputation until he finally won the Super Bowl. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Madden can't win the big game because his problem was Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, when it comes to San Diego, remember it's also the same ownership that thinks it's great to be a renter in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> the Spanos family. Yeah. Dean, well, Dean fired him yep. because Marty wanted Marty wanted to add. Uh, I think his brother and his son to the staff, and and yeah. uh, Dean wasn't all for that idea. Of course, he was a you know a, a product of nepotism himself. I don't know what his problem was, but uh, <laughs> the, 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 the father and the son uh, were not this, the the brightest bulbs in the bunch. So whatever. Well, all I know is I have always have a blast every time I talk to you, Lynn. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. My pleasure. By the way, in, in your honor, I was wearing my Penn State School of Communications pullover today. There you go, Len. Which, which I which I got for for giving a lecture there once a couple of years ago. The uh, is it the, the college communications or is it the Curly School as part of it? No, no, well, it's called the college. It says the College of Communications. I guess that's the Curly School. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Beautiful. That's yeah, the great. USA Today Perfect. That is great, Len. Thanks so much. I'm glad you did. I can't wait to tell the kids in my class about that on Monday. They'll think it's really cool. No, I, t- I talked to the kids at the school paper that day. Oh, wonderful. That, hey, they. Yeah. Uh, well, guess what? You helped out a whole bunch of people. They really appreciate yeah. it, as always. Thank you. Len Shapiro, Washington Post. As we talked about the great career of Marty Schottenheimer, and stayed away from talking about athletes walking around in a circle. All right. <laughs> We'll wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors.
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. We're at the 32. The American flag is now at the 33. The American flag is now at the 34. They're at the 35. What an exciting night. Maybe there'll be fireworks. Just messed up. <laughs> Tea time, 7.15. Already locked in, even if it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> on July 23rd while you and the suit are bonding <laughs> over over coffee and bagels <laughs> <laughs> watching Brazil go around in a circle behind the green flag <laughs> I'll be out being physically active <laughs> You could tell me the highlights. It was really great. All right. Good. I'll save them for you. We'll play them on right. that show's day. Luxembourg and France got into a fight. <laughs> it's great. No, actually, I tune in for that. It's kind of like the America's Cup. The yachting race. But they they go around buoys. See, I've always been one that thought that maybe, like, if you really want to make it a spectator sport, arm the boats. Huh? Uh, sure. Come on! There's no doubt who wins. (laughs) Oh. All right. 